Welcome to Weekly Open. I'm Brian. Everybody's here today. Don and Cred. Thanks for being here for Weekly Open. As a reminder, you're probably watching this on YouTube, but if you're not, you might be on audio as well. You can do audio or YouTube. Go to weeklyopen.com and see the different ways to subscribe. Go like us on YouTube, all that good stuff. I don't normally say that. I don't know why I am right now, but I don't have anything else to say. So uh, let's start with you, Don. Don, how you doing? Good, good. Um, enjoying life as a Litecoin enjoyer. <laughs> <laughs> um but no i'm doing all right i'm doing all right red how's it going man i mean it's going it's been at least a bit quieter on the headlines front hopefully i haven't cursed that completely so a bit of time to just catch up with charts come up with new watch lists and you know do a bit of housekeeping so to speak but yeah not not too terrible given given what's transpired in the last couple of weeks yeah how are you doing uh i'm doing okay i'm mostly over my flu now uh so i feel a little better i don't sound very good but um i feel a little better and um yeah i mean like you say i i hope that what's out there now is nothing burger um but it's you know now the now grayscale's on the chopping block in terms of uh what people are talking about is at risk um not great <laughs> they're not they're not a good one to be at risk um but we'll have to just see what comes of that. Um, there were more. There was more than one report. Uh, Paul Graham got took a lot of crap for one of these tweets. Uh, Chris Bernisk also hinted at something on the horizon, and they were both like, "Something bad's probably going to happen really soon. Can't tell you about it, but watch out." And so now everybody's just kind of on edge. Um, there was a reporting of whatever it was, a billion dollar hole for um, yeah. Genesis, which puts inherent risk on uh, digital currency group. This is all Barry Silbert's companies. So now we're all just sitting here wondering, like, what are we waiting on here? Like, is this is this the next shoe to drop? Um, what impact should that have on, on the market? Is Barry insolvent? Et cetera. Um, and in terms of like what that's doing to prices, I would say overall, not a lot, just, you know, there's just kind of this steady drag, um, continuously on, on Bitcoin and ETH, uh, and I guess more so on, on the majority of other odds. Don will talk later about <laughs> the exceptions to that. Um, but yeah, so like basically everybody's wondering is, uh, is Barry about to go under, go down with the ship we don't know uh am i missing anything there I think uh no mainly it. yeah yeah that's the main speculation right and sort of the dcg um digital currency group empire has a ton of stuff under it you know coindesk um genesis lending and then also just the gbtc uh closed-ended fund as well uh, and so that's like a huge sort of piece of infrastructure in the crypto space and last week gem uh Genesis actually just froze their uh, new loan originations and withdrawals, and they're now trying to raise money uh, into the tune of one billion to kind of shore that up. And we haven't heard much in terms of the success of that. There's been a ton of speculation that no one's biting, uh, and also additional speculation that DCG owes like 1.1 to Genesis via this kind of promissory note, so like a debt instrument, and that's sort of the the hole they're trying to plug. 
Um, but also the issue is like the, the, the sort of Genesis lending products, they're the biggest sort of lending firm in the space, certainly up there, uh, but also a bunch of like CFI types of quote unquote safe yield products like Gemini Earn were, were sort of getting their yield from Genesis. So that's been adversely affected. And so the main speculation is if investors don't want to shore up and plug the hole, uh, how do you plug the hole? And, you know, the, the sort of one way of doing that would be to, um, you know, basically some version of a GBTC sell off uh, that that's at least the speculation i've had i've had some considered some legal arguments against it so it's, it's a bit messy in terms of the structure given we're talking about regulated products but in any case the the inability for dcg to raise that money and plug that hole and kind of you know restart genesis and so on and so forth if we go down the uh, insolvency route or even like plugging that hole from uh, their own infrastructure such as gbtc none of that is are particularly favorable. So I think that's kind of what's been still acting as a drag, what's being referred to and what's been uh, holding the market down at least. So it'd be nice to get some clarity about that this week. Yeah, I think the hard part about it is what are we pricing in versus what are we just nervous about in terms of the, the market? But it's hard for me to imagine the worst case scenarios priced in. Um, it, you know, people always are looking for an excuse to nuke in the, in the depths of a bear market. So you'd probably get some adverse uh, price action if if kind of the worst came to be, which would be what like okay we're redeeming GBTC and selling it before we allow you to re you know redeem it or um, I don't know if there's anything other than GBTC or ETH that if it went out of business completely has a severe impact on the market. Um, I mean that'd be enough, right? Like <laughs> Yeah, of course. But I'm saying like that's yeah. that's that's the worst case scenario. I don't know yes. if everything else is basically a good case scenario. Like, oh, Barry sold Coindesk or shut down Genesis. Like I don't think the market will really care very much about those. Uh unless I mean Genesis I think would be a big deal personally. That that that's a really big one. And it is, know, so much it is of a big the lending deal. The in the space is on the back of that. But it, it depends on what is that what are the the next level impacts of that? That might have an adverse effect, right? Like yeah. somebody is still owed a, a hundred million dollars, you know, because Genesis was uh, lending their funds out, borrowing from them, whatever. Um, and now, now what with those funds? Uh, like, how does that impact them? Does somebody else go under because of Genesis doing that? Um, yeah. yeah, or do they sell? Have to sell other liquid stuff to make up the hole from you know being frozen on Genesis, which is happening everywhere, right? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. and maybe maybe Don to your point about like which altcoins are doing things, the ones where there's basically no chance that somebody's holding that as collateral. <laughs> <laughs> yep, maybe that's why they're performing. I don't know. Um, I mean, uh, that's that's what I what what kind of was my reasoning like a couple. I think it was a couple of months ago when we talked about altcoins, and I was like, I mean. I like to buy stuff that no fund owns after that was after the free AC collapse. Um, turns out that's been pretty good uh, overall. Like everything that's been owned by FTX or by free AC or by anyone really has just been, been kind of nuking. Whereas like the stuff that is not has been doing quite well on the open front. Um, I pulled up Coindesk, which may or may not be owned by Barry in the future. Um, couple of things that came out since we talked last or even over the weekend. Um, one is the FTX largest creditor list. So the top 50 creditors, the largest is 226 million. The smallest out of that batch is, I don't know, 20 or 30 million. 
Um, but the the largest ones make up $3.1 billion, which also equates to the amount that uh, Sam took off the table for himself. Um, that's got a sting for all of them. Um, the, let's see, uh, the, oh yeah, the FTX exploiter was another one. So they had their, all the, uh, all the funds and there's speculate their speculation that this is the Bahamian government don't really know. Um, so they had it all in ETH. Now they sold it and, um, put it into either Bitcoin or Ren level Bitcoin there was some speculation that they were just basically swing trading it to create a lot of slippage and then like max positioning themselves on perp markets to actually make money because since the coins are going to be traced forever, like, so just do things that impact the price and go short those things <laughs> or long those things on, in, you know, a, a, a perp exchange. If that's actually the case, how could this possibly be a, the government of the Bahamas doing it? Because <laughs> this seems too ridiculous. Yeah, it's not, right? The, I think Taylor Vano probably butchered her name there, who's like one of the big yeah. MetaMask people. Taylor, Taylor um, Monahan, who is at MetaMask. Yes, apologies. Yes, yeah, so she's been very good. You know, she's a, the OG on-chain sleuth, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, you know, her, her argument is that this is like an actual hacker type of bad faith, whatever, rogue actor as opposed to the mm -hmm. Bahamas government using all this DeFi infrastructure. Uh, and Zach, uh, XBT, uh, came to a similar conclusion based on on-chain history and the sort of patterns of behavior as to what they're doing with the money and how you know where it's being deposited, like some dodgy Russian exchanges and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, it's that seems just... A, I mean, she, I think Taylor even made an argument that, that this has sort of North Korean fingerprints all over it, potentially, you know? So it's certainly farther... It could be a nation state, but not the one... Uh, not, not the one that's sort of... The one that's being considered. Uh, so yeah, I think, look, look, there's been just a lot of sort of misinformation, understandably, because people are very... Uh, you know, we're all hung up on the news and everyone wants to break the most recent thing. And there's a bunch of like also nefarious engagement farming based around uh, what's been going on, even if it's, you know, arrived to on false premises. So, yeah, it's a lot of the time it's a bit less sensationalist than it seems. Uh, I mean, new allegations of fraud and stuff are coming up. But for this specific hacker, that does just seem like a sort of rogue black hat more so than, you know, uh, Bahamas going through die and Lazlo bit and wrapping btc and transferring it here and there trading perps that i don't know that's like a from an occam's razor whatever point of view seems to be <laughs> far less likely yeah i forget now even where the, the bahamas thing was that sam that said that or i i think he liked a tweet that might have implied it i, I don't know i've lost i've lost track to be completely honest with you with that specific person. I think there's some decent evidence to suggest that he like straight up just took money out of FTX and that's in the first affidavit and other stuff. Uh, but this specific FTX exploiter, uh, one of those flows of funds at the very least appears to be a black hat more than anything else. And also that's been having a real market impact, you know? Yeah. Like when, when, that, when, when that account's been like selling down ETH, uh, that, that we saw a lot of pressure come into the market and people were kind of tracking that and um, not fading it. Um, so that's something, you know, that's a bit of sort of a chunk of supply that's non-trivial and probably worth at least keeping an eye on. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been been leading to selling on ETH, basically. The ETH PTC ratio has been just, and doesn't actually look that good. Uh, it's been a little bit bouncing today, but didn't really look that good um, compared to a lot of other things, in my opinion. Um, which is going to be interesting. But I think BTC is at a more interesting point in general right now. 
given given all of this, we kind of ended up at uh, the complacency high of last of the last bull market. Um, like just basically exactly where we are right now, where we're trading. And um, to me, it kind of feels like either we're holding this or we're going to like 11, 12K-ish. That's the next support that I've got, um, which I think, I don't know, makes it interesting enough um, to kind of look for at least a little bit of a bounce. But then again, the whole the whole news side of things has just been so, so brutal. Like we just get bad news after bad news. Every day something new comes up and every day the news that we've had just get a little bit worse. Oftentimes it's like you get news and then it's like uh, it's overblown. In this case, it's just been worse and worse. Every time we get more info, it's just, <laughs> it's just a complete pandemonium and we kind of like fell for the biggest um, scammers in this place in the space which is i don't know it's wild but i think ta wise at least you make an argument for um for a little bit of like a breathing like a two or three of breathing room or a bounce at least given given that support but i don't know how you guys are looking at the charts just for me it doesn't look too terrible it doesn't look good either but doesn't look too terrible ledger i can screen share a low time frame sort of mix up that's on my radar at the very least if, if, yeah, if there's going to be amounts that materializes uh, and also I, I do think like you know the last time or maybe this was a couple of weeks ago one of the arguments i made is like you know the technicals are the technicals but this seems to be like very news driven and depending on how these things transpire there's probably been some trade there somewhere i think i share that this week where if, if the grayscale cloud uh, subsides that pretty much i think everything bounces across the board uh, in my estimation that's been a disproportionately large driver of this like breakdown or at least on you know the daily time frame or the four hour the the break of the lows that's sort of where that's come from so if that goes away uh probably some room to see some green on some time frame somewhere i mean how bullish is that right <laughs> but obviously if uh, if it goes to shit then uh, forget it basically but for me at least uh there's a previous there's previous week's low here uh, which was understandably an inside week given the outsized move at about 15.2k just going to change the color of that to make it stand out a bit. Uh, and then it's really the daily time frame where I think the market's actually been quite technical to its credit. So if you take the lowest close of the entire nuke and then the CPI day rally uh, highest close as well, uh, that's sort of a decent little uh, daily range that the market seems to be caring about in terms of where support, where's resistance. Uh, and actually, if you look on the four hour, it looks just as clean as it did on the day, right? Lowest close, highest close, range midpoint that's been acting as resistance. Uh, and the support that's currently available, which is roughly in tandem with Don's line, is sort of you know the bottom of the range that we've we've carved out thus far. I mean, it's literally the apex of this move being sold down at about 15.9, 16k, whatever. Uh, so for my money, at least, if I put my short-term trading hat on, which isn't one I've worn terribly frequently in the last couple of months, at least, but any type of move through previous week's low that doesn't get basically, you know, that doesn't follow through and the market doesn't accept that type of breakout, maybe like a spike and reestablishing support at that range low. I think it's quite reasonable to look for the range midpoint, uh, if not the range high at that point. Uh, and, you know, if it, if it doesn't spike previous weeks, though, like, look, I already tested the level. If it just goes up from there, like, okay, that's fine. Very unlikely that I get, can get a chance to get on board that and have an entry trigger there. Uh, but if it does spend a bit more time at this weekly and intraday structure and in a way that lets me define my risk better but by maybe poking below here and see who's hanging around uh, anything back above 
Sing K, uh, I think purely on technical terms, doesn't change the high time frame picture and that type of stuff. But there are, there are kind of, the market does seem to respond well to these levels. And that, that's kind of all you need if you're sufficiently low time frame. So 16K support, 16.78 resistance uh, in the form of the range midpoint. And then the larger range high is 17.6 with the previous week's low at 15.8. If you get any type of breakdown that doesn't stick or, you know, one of your classic type of tri trap patterns, uh, I think there's some thing there uh, you know if you're of sufficiently low time frame persuasions and obviously the inverse is true which is if it breaks down on the back yeah. side of this i mean it's going to dance it's, levels and we all die so it's yeah. a, it's a it's like this drip you know you're on a four hour chart that's a lot of opportunities to buy those lows at 16k um so it's it's pretty nasty looking to me it looks this whole thing feels like it's the breakdown. So if we if we really do push up or squeeze uh, significantly, it's just creating opportunity for people to load up shorts or squeeze out the people who played it incorrectly. Um, right. Yeah, I'd the, say that. You know, you know like any, anything like this, for example. Right. You know, um, that like type who of wouldn't, thing. I feel like every, everybody who's in the market is happy to be out of the market. <laughs> they just would rather <laughs> do it from higher prices. <laughs> right, right, right. But, just remember how until the summer was, you know, where we had like 20 red weeks in a row and we just lost track of how many red weeklies there had been. And it kind of gets normalized pretty quickly. But we've seen some gnarly price action this week in terms of uh, this year in terms of one sided flows. So, I mean, my, my mind is open to anything at this point. I've seen it all, I swear. Yeah, but I honestly, I'm quite happy to be in the market. I don't really like, I don't know, but this, for me, as at least, right, what I've been seeing is basically we have had the worst news that we could have ever had, um, and it doesn't let up, and prices go down like a percent every time. Um, we had the FTX nuke, and if you go on the low time frames, you can barely see it on the chart. Like, there's like a 10% move. Um, and obviously that, yeah, exactly. But I mean, <laughs> obviously people, People are like, holy shit, this is the biggest news. Let me show this. Um, and people are like, okay, I don't want to buy. But um, And obviously new people come in and start selling because they're like, okay, I cannot trust anything in this market. And it's only gone down 10%. And I'm wondering why. Um, and I think at least at these kind of prices, right? Let's say we go to 11, 12K, which I don't necessarily think is super, super likely, but possible. Um, at those kind of prices, the market cap starts getting so low that I think that the opportunity is just too great not to buy. Um, so anything between there and right now, I think is pretty interesting. Um, but it obviously depends on what more news we get. And I've been saying this same thing at 20K, right? And then I was like, okay, well, this is just too heavy. Uh, let me get out. And that was a good choice. And I'm doing it again now where I'm like at 16K. And I thought this I would be saying this much, much lower, right? I saw the, the FTX news come in. I saw... All of these these um, terrible, terrible things happen, basically. And I thought uh, we'd be trading at 14, 11, 10, maybe wick below 9K levels off of those kind of news. Uh, turns out either uh, everyone's super complacent and no one is, like everyone's just sitting there on their hands waiting for price to go lower to start selling or everyone that's been wanting to sell has sold. I'm not entirely sure, um, but I'm... I'm not too worried, honestly. I don't know why. Like this is horrendous price action and uh, low lady and everything. But I feel pretty chill. I don't know if that's a good or bad sign. No, I think it's fine. And you're you're 
your stance is is different than most, right? Like you weren't as exposed to the market higher. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, like Don, you like sold fifty eight k. You can do no wrong, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. you know, when it comes to like re-entering, and like from here onwards, it, it, you, you sort of have to judge by a different standard, which, which which sounds like it's a critique, but it's not. It's actually a flex, right? It's like to your credit because of your exit. That gives you much, much wider bandwidth to sort of fuck around and find out, basically, for lack of a better term, uh, than the ordinary participant who might be just like either zeroed or sitting in deep drawdown and have to be a lot more careful with their sort of uh, the bandwidth of, you know, how they deploy and so on and so forth. Yeah. I think the main counter arguments that you'd have to consider on the whole sort of relative strength didn't go down that much uh, is pretty much based on two things in my mind. One is time, that it's simply not enough time has passed post breakdown to mark out the case for relative strength and that we shouldn't be lower. It's been like, basically we had breakdown week and then inside week. And you know, 6K breakdown, I think moved a bit quicker than this, but not all too much quicker. And a, a couple of the others, you know, th there's some precedent to suggest that you need to let this thing sort of uh, digest and churn a bit before you have some sort of sense of how well it's been absorbed. And the second point would be that uh, macro has still been strong right? Like throughout all of this, one of, and one of the reasons we actually have that daily green candle that I talked about uh, was because CPI came in cool and equity risk indices rallied and sort of S&P and NASDAQ blew their respective roofs off. Uh, and yeah, I think that's been at like been... 25k plus. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the bittersweet part, right? Like it's kept us from going much lower, but in the absence of large scale fraud, we, we would have been much higher. So I think those two things are worth keeping an eye on. If you're going to build a, a case for relative strength, it would be further supported by time and it would also be supported by equities not kind of uh, not having an adverse impact if they do start to pull back and you know dollar strength and all this other stuff i'm sure we'll talk about um i mean at the very least all of that stuff is on my radar i talked to cred a little bit about this this week um these strike me as fairly similar um where we finally broke down from 6k and even though it wasn't the same amount of time Time, it felt like the same type of capitulation of 20k 20k you know like this 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 important number that we're going to go on to and now it feels to me like it, it long term it probably did pricing but at the same time this is where your historical activity really was like where your people who right now i got bitcoin maxis for instance like flexing on the market acting like they're doing okay um they're down horrendous as well um Anybody who's been stacking sats for 200 weeks is in, in the red. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the green line means, right? Um, so that's four years worth of uh, sat stacking and you're not in profit. Um, and the, the real uh, next level of, of stuff that people have done, done work at throughout 2019, 2018, the last bear market, is that big range um, eight, so eight to 12 K, whatever. Like if you're just looking at something like VRPR or whatever it's called, the volume profile. Um, and Don, I think that where you're, where you're working is a very reasonable thing to do. I also think that your initial gut of like, eh, the chart says this needs to go to 10 K <laughs> or like can, you know, stab below 10 K be 12 K just start filling that stuff in down there. Um, in my mind, it looks like we broke down and now we're waiting for uh, either fast or slow capitulation into those ranges. Um, and if we dance back up, then you're kind of enabling people to get out and refuel and whatever. People who are not in the same position of strength as either of you guys are, 
um, I've carried a lot of this market's uh, performance. Um, so, you know, I'm not like loving this by any means. I'm just thankful I diversified what I did basically. Um, and I just think that that outcome seems very likely. Um, not that it has to happen. Like we could be bottom, we could bottom right in the middle of all this crap, never really reach those levels. But I wonder if the big market participants, the people that are really willing to go in and step in in front of this market, are they willing to do it without the, without it just being really, really, really obvious that it's an excellent deal. And I wonder if Bitcoin sub 10K, 12K, something like that, and, and ETH somewhere sub 1K are, are those types of numbers. Um, do y'all think I'm wrong in that? Am I just adjusting the narrative as the price goes down or what? Uh, I think it's honestly, it's a little bit like be, hoping for below 10K is a little bit aggressive to me. Um, it feels like, like definitely anyway. that's what I'm saying though. I'm one, like somebody that says, hey, I got $100 million to deploy. I'm not doing it unless I get an obvious deal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think like below like this significant below 20K is already quite the deal. But yeah, it all depends on kind of your standpoint. It, still, it depends on like, because for me, like if this, and I mean, just to kind of give like a little bit of color of what I've been doing, I've been buying basically 16K, like 16.3, 16.2, like into this level basically that we have. Um, and I'm willing to see it go down to 10K, right? Because I think it's a good deal now. It's going to be a better deal then. Um, so I'm just willing to hold this, anything that I'm buying right now, I'm willing to hold. Um, so at the end of the day, it doesn't really, like I can buy more at 11 or 10. I can, I think if it goes below 10, I'll just for, at least if it goes quick, right? If this bleeds to 10, I'll just, I'll be terrified that this market is seriously going to zero because I think at that point we're starting to get into very, very dangerous territory. I think we're already quite deep into like into territory where we really shouldn't be trading at. Um, but if we go quickly there, I could see myself like buy more than I'm, than I normally would, which would make me obviously like overexposed, and then I would sell on the bounce again, like I always do, like up 20, 30 percent, um, and I'd be happy with it. But yeah, I don't know. I, for me, it just kind of seems like these as essentially everything in this range is kind of funny to me that we're even getting uh it seems very very low and i think it's the only reason why we're getting it is because we're basically getting several black swans on top of each other um so yeah i think it's possible i think it's not necessarily too likely and i don't want to be too aggressive i've been i've been pretty like i haven't been too aggressive the bull market um I took profits very, very early when like this, this kind of thing just looked bad. Um, and I could have made much, much more in the bull market. And I don't like, for me, it's kind of nice to get like a position that uh, I've wanted for basically like uh, the bull market when it was going like up here, I was wishing I had like a really, really good position. I only had like a man one. Um, and uh, I'm happy to kind of put it back on on like at cheaper prices even on, on the right side here. So yeah, I don't know. No, I understand. I'm, I'm not trying to say that what you're doing is wrong by any means whatsoever. Um, like different perspectives it, as well to a large extent, right? Like you've got someone who like sold 60K and gets right off if he holds it for more than a year for right. like a spot investment versus maybe Ledger and I have more of our trading hats on at the moment being like, you know, we've got a break from value 
value and you know it was sideways for like several months where might that type of break take us you know what kind of evidence do we, do we want to see from macro or whatever else all this type of stuff it, it, there's some divergence definitely as to like uh time frames and uh, i guess almost mandates when it comes to buying this type of thing um which, which i think all of which is completely normal and reasonable within a market like i think you know if you if you care about crypto You'd, I would find it very odd to be telling someone who's like sold whatever 58 and buying 16, like, oh, you're such an idiot. It's so early. Risk assets are going to be dead forever. It's, you know, it's like a very strange argument to make. Um, so, you know, even on the, as you mentioned, Ledger, on the DCA front, if you were doing that indiscriminately on the way up and sort of on the way sideways and way down, you're having a very rough time. I think yeah. if you want to deploy that strategy sub 20k as your filter, that's I think much more compelling uh, than than doing so blindly at all times. So so yeah, and it's that, important when you're like following any discussion or talking to someone to get an understanding of where they're coming from in terms of how they manage their exposure and also what they're looking for in terms of their time horizon, tax optimization, you know, their capacity to continue to do business if the market does go lower, their plan if the market goes higher, all that type of stuff. It's, it's, it's very like quote-unquote boring uh but but it is important if you're trying to establish like what premises someone's making an argument based on and that's the basic basics of how i've explained it to people around me is like you are entering the time of excellent value whether or not it'll feel this price will feel like excellent value in six months i have no idea but if you spend a year <laughs> you know uh, or more you know kind of filling up to your risk tolerance from an investment perspective then you'll probably be really happy over the coming several years. Um, but if you just put in your full clip right now, well, if you're not the type of person that can stomach another 50% down, then that's the wrong strategy, right? Um, and yeah, I think it, it's just, it's really hard to predict because you mentioned multiple black swans, Don. We don't know, like <laughs> some of the biggest companies are, are, are leaving this earth, you know, like going into full liquidation and bankruptcy mode. And we don't know who's next, where does the contagion extend? And I don't think we've seen the end of contagion, although it, we may have seen close to the end of that contagion having a massive impact on the market. Um, especially if we see uh, Genesis, DG, you know, digital currency group go under. There's not a lot of others that are going to have that size of impact now. Yes. And macro still matters, I think. that That's my unfortunate take from mm. all this as well. Like, it's the biggest driver of flows for this for the entirety of this year. And we sort of stepped away from paying attention to it because crypto has just had its own share of headlines, put kindly. Um, but I still think broader risk premium across the world and, you know, those, those macro flows, they, they still do matter for crypto. I think I agree with Don's assessment where that kind of stuff is likely to matter less the lower we go because the market caps get to like a very risible amount wherein it's easier to like push around and decouple. So kind of the lower price goes, the higher the likelihood of a decoupling. But but I, th I still think um, the, the, the broader environment we're in, you know, it, it caused so much of the move up, you know, very accommodative fiscal and monetary caused so much of the move move down the speed of the tightening i'm very reluctant to uh, remove that type of stuff from my framework at least in the near future because i still think it matters and also because i think a lot of the stuff that we talk about like the dollar and uh, the and, you know risk indices they are at relative inflection points so if there's ever a time to sort of at least be aware of them it seems to me to be in the coming you know few weeks at least yeah can we go look at a, a couple of these the s p had a really nice recovery but 
I mean, it's got a long way to go if it wants to hit prior highs. But from a like trend line perspective, maybe you can look at moving average stuff. Still looks like it's in sideways land, but it's not at any real risk of you know imminent new lows, which is pretty impressive. Um, the Nasdaq didn't have near as strong of a recovery. Um, the Russell 2000 similar, um, but as you kind of move into other things, um, oil is really breaking down strongly. I don't know if y'all been paying attention to this, but mm-hmm. another five percent today, uh, seventy five dollars. This has really positive impacts on inflation. Um, it's it's a, a significant source of of inflation. Um, we're also seeing. Yields finally soften for multiple weeks in a row. The 30, uh, the 10 is a little stronger and the two is even stronger. So it's actually the long end of the curve expectation that, um, you know, maybe more, more raises in the near term, but the long end starting to soften, uh, additionally, very interesting. And then the, the dollar recovering a bit, but after that nuke, these look like just going to backfill sideways types of candles. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. so it doesn't, it doesn't really look like we're pricing in imminent doom and gloom on uh, on legacy markets. More sideways chop, uh, no new highs for a while, probably type of stuff. Um, gold had had a nice bid, and now it's falling back down a bit. Um, but yeah, I think that all all these markets interest me significantly, just because. If you get outside of our own black swans and whatnot, then you see like what does the rest of the market think? And the rest of the market is, from everything I can tell, trying to say like, hey, we might actually soft landing. <laughs> you know, is that am I reading that incorrectly? Do y'all think? No, I agree. Like, like honestly, like I mean, the the dollar is still like that's still one of the things where I'm like, okay, um, that's gonna be an interesting one. But it actually rejected. Like, do you remember like the free month that we talked about? Um, yeah, I have it. I have. I mean, I have like massive Don clout on my chart, so I'll just show it. To you. <laughs> uh, it's it's so sweet, it was, huh? It was early in that yellow box because we were talking about the magnet to one twenty, and you were like, eh, "Actually, I think this like one fourteen. There was a block back there is more relevant." Yeah. So I put a line on it, and it was legitimately the top of the wick, and it was just right here <laughs> on these two. Uh, these two candles. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you you dominated that one. Um, oh, yeah. It's Go basically we, we we rejected there, and uh, we're now back at support, right? So it expects like if this is really not, I, I mean, just looking at this chart, just, just ignoring everything else, you'd expect it to find a bit here and actually come back up again. Um, I'm hoping that obviously that doesn't happen. We just need. A little bit of a breathing room because uh if this keeps on going nuclear everything just kind of falls apart and it's been nice to not see this um but yeah it's it's back at support so i'm not entirely sure where this is gonna go uh i'm not super super bullish uh as in like i don't think the dollar is gonna go much much crazier just given on like the chart that you showed just seemed like a pretty significant breakdown um that if anything is going to take a while, like this could go sideways for six months because I mean, this is like a, this is a three month chart, right? So if two or three candles to the side here, this wouldn't be too extraordinary. Um, so there's something there and sideways will probably be enough. I think for most markets to just kind of stabilize themselves and kind of 
grasp the new reality, which has been, I mean, if you have this kind of move up, right, no one can really do anything. Everyone's just at the mercy. But if it goes sideways for a little bit and gives people uh, some time to digest this all, uh, the world kind of normalizes itself again. And I think that'd be quite healthy. And the chart kind of gives it some room. So I could see that be the case. Um, and the S&P, like you said, really, uh, let me see if I have a good chart. Yeah, I do. Um, the S&P doesn't look too terrible either, really, because it's been the first breakdown um, of a support that we've had. The entire way down, right, you can see this. Like, it does basically this, right? It goes from support to resistance, from and, and then uh, it breaks down. The next test basically and it's done this the entire way down and this is the first time that we've actually reclaimed the support uh, on the monthly which is good sign right and we actually used it um on the weekly time frame as support and that's where this bounce this current one is coming from so that doesn't look too terrible to me um i agree with you that this just kind of looks like it wants to go sideways i don't necessarily think this is just wants to do this seems unlikely i think if anything wants to kind of go sideways here and then uh, decide do you have the dji because it looks it's even better than this chart um yeah i don't have it but you can show it on yours it's in terms of that kind of prior high level that we were talking about earlier oh, this yeah. is the only index to actually have gotten there um and i was looking up who who is in this index and this is i kind of think a good signifier of what should we expect this like great repricing and the companies that make this up that are showing some relative strength are the companies that have had freaking exceptional business models for a long time you know it's 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 cross sector as well as goldman sachs and home depot and mcdonald's and microsoft and caterpillar and honeywell and visa and chevron and johnson and johnson and boeing and apple and walmart and salesforce and jp morgan and 3m and nike and walt disney company and coca-cola uh, United Healthcare, um, FTX, <laughs> Verizon, Intel, Cisco. These are the these are the companies that make this up, and and they are the the healthiest companies in the world right now, who didn't have these gigantic multiples and whatnot. And that index is showing it. And I just, to me, it's a sign that this continues to be a uh, um, strong companies win type of market, and the the willingness for people to like go out on the long end of the curve of risk is, is low. Uh, these companies, you know, have some form of dividend. They always make money. Um, they're relatively conservative. And I think that that just is having a massive impact on where people choose to put their money. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like yeah. I think a lot of the nonsensical stuff's just been starting to get washed out in the last few months where, mm -hmm. You don't like you see companies that never make money and probably never will uh, just have like stupid evaluations on stupid base. Like, did you on, see Bird? Like, no, I did not. Bird scooters, they've raised. Oh some, yes, yes, yes. They raised yeah, something like two or two and a half billion dollars. As in, that's the money they raised. Their market cap is seventy million. So that two billion was at a much higher multiple. <laughs> um, and their market cap is seventy billion dollars or seventy million dollars, and they're unlikely yeah. to survive. It seems it's like high yeah, DV tokens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Um, and the the whole like cash is trash meme that we've had for so long, right? Um, that got really really loud at the top, basically. Mm -hmm. um, 
finally is you don't really see it anymore. Uh, people do like their cash now, even though we're inflating. It's it's kind of funny. Um, and I think it's a good thing, right? We've had a lot of people throw a lot of money at complete garbage. And we had retail enter trading um, at rates that we've I don't think we've seen before. Um, like Robin Hood and all, all those kind of like GME, AMC stuff went completely ballistic. Everyone was trading. And um, that just back then even reminded me of 2017 kind of Bitcoin and altcoin mania that we had. And uh, I'm kind of glad that that's washed out for the most part. Uh, obviously, that kind of stuff takes a while. I still remember back in 2018 how long we had to go sideways until people actually started disappearing. Um, I think we are not necessarily through that yet. But um, I think the, the whole, okay, this is really cool, this is really trendy to be this trader or to invest stupid amounts in stupid companies, I think that's largely behind us for now anyway. Hopefully. Um, there are some legacy levels I can, you know, with all this yeah. discussion. I'm, I'm maybe like 2% more bearish than, than the sort of uh, turn of the discussion, or at least cautious for, for to some extent uh, i mean this is still a downtrend right like on the monthly the weekly etc we had our first reclaim of support uh but all the, but still no higher high or meaningful shift in market structure and you can just look at the line chart to, to get a perspective of the trend broadly speaking and uh, at the moment there's no kind of higher time frame or more confirmatory evidence of trend reversal on this thing i agree that ranging would be fine slash enough a uh, downtrend continuation would definitely drag us lower. Well, not definitely, there are no definites, but I think very likely to drag us lower. Um, one thing I'm looking at when it comes to the S&P specifically, there's a really nice uh, inflection point around the 3900s handle. Um, you know, prior, I think Don has got on, on another chart, at least on the weekly, has basically the top of this consolidation boxed out. And it's a really good level. Support, resistance, support, resistance, like that's been a very, very good pivot. Uh, and so I think losing that would, wouldn't be great. I think there's a decent chance if that goes, we retrace a lot of this kind of engulfing weekly breakout type of thing. And it takes us at the very least back to monthly levels. Uh, in terms of where it's coming from right now, uh, if you take this range that the market was in between sort of 36 and 4,200, and look at where the mean comes in or the midpoint or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's right around that 3,900 4K handle. And you could even, you know, given we're not sort of tick to tick trading this, box that out as a, uh, you know, the consolidation between impulsive moves. So, you know, you have impulse, consolidation, impulse. And a lot of the time that consolidation between those moves ends up acting as a short-term pivot. Uh, and that's sort of where the market's traded into. And, you know, it's reacted to that, certainly, you know, like a weekly like this getting faded uh, to some extent is, you know, worth paying attention to. And I think if 3,900 folds there, um, there's there's room for acceleration that might start to look somewhat precarious, uh, purely technically speaking. But, you know, you can just eyeball uh, what that level looks like, even on the daily time frame. This is the last pivot we have. Um, it broke through it very impulsively hit the higher time frame resistance and then just completely slowed to a crawl, right? Uh, so I think if we start seeing sub 3,900 weakness, this ends up looking like a very dodgy move uh, that's sort of ripe for retracing. Now, again, the retrace doesn't necessarily mean like trend continuation or, you know, new lows, whatever, um, but but it can. That, that's the risk, right? That it can because it's in a downtrend. And if you lose a big level 
of support, you have, they have to at least entertain the idea that the market's going to, I mean, make an attempt to make a higher low. Uh, but, in, you know, in a trend, just like if you were to make a higher low in an uptrend, you're generally open-minded towards a higher high. If you make a lower high in a downtrend, you have to be sort of open-minded towards uh, a lower low. And again, God knows what sort of macro catalysts it takes uh, to to create that type of repricing, but, you know, purely on line make boink terms, uh, I think that there's a, like at least a meaningful structure. You know, if you have to have one on your chart, I think daily, weekly, 3,900 area is like pretty good. And the, the sort of complementary part to that is the dollar, uh, which reacted really well to uh, high time frame resistance, as we sort of discussed in Don's God box. Um, for me, there, there's a chance of like a decent uh, trend reset on this thing, not necessarily in the same aggressive fashion as we've seen it. But if you look at where it retraced to, it basically came back to the origin of the move, right? Like the origin of the final leg. Uh, that's where it came back to, kind of the must hold support. Uh, and at the moment, it's bouncing from there. Now, there's nothing stopping this thing from just chopping between that structure and, you know, some midpoint structure at 109s, and that ends up being your range. But similarly, you know, if you've got like a very strong trend and it gives you the first deep pullback, pullback is bought. Like, you know, we do, we do this in Bitcoin all the time where if you see a 40% climb and the market actually holds that, no one really targets like a lower high or something like that. The expectation is that that was the brutal part of the trend reset. And then now that the trend's been reset, you sort of gun towards a larger time frame trend continuation. And honestly, even just like pushing up into the 110 handle, whatever it may be, that, that could be enough pressure um, to sort of uh, resume a lot of the weakness we've been seeing uh, across risk assets. So to me, the, the issue is like, there's we're just like at an inflection point with a lot of macro stuff that could result in pressure. Uh, and that's basically high time frame dollar trend reset support. And then um, resistance in risk indices with a chance that sub 3900k it starts to look a bit wonky and both of those are happening at the same time so I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on those still you know a stock that uh looks like the last big domino to fall tesla yes yeah. oh don's favorite we've been talking about I this. just take it to yeah. zero <laughs> i mean ooh, whoa ooh, ooh, this is yeah okay can... everyone uh Oh, that five, that Musk margin call is before the split. Trading view should be able to fix that. Um, everyone that is a technical market participant, no one looks at this and thinks, hmm, how bullish. <laughs> Do they? Uh, and obviously, you know, Musk has been selling his stock. He's also highly distracted by fixing the Bird app. Um, and meanwhile his bread and butter company over here, they're selling more cars than ever, but is their profitability improving? Like what's the, what's the uptick look like in terms of sales potential? Uh, the, even all that aside, just pure multiples, unless you pull the whole, it's a deflationary Kathy Wood argument, or it's a, it's a tech company, Kathy Wood argument type of thing. Um, the multiples on this are really bad for a car company. And all the other car companies are apparently becoming tech companies because they're all coming out with, you know, electric car hub type stuff uh, that are pretty impressive. Is Tesla going to nuke? I mean, I think so, yes. It's down 60% just, already. It doesn't look Don like would it. be a happier man if it does. I'll say that much. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like it might not. Uh, no, I just don't. I don't. <laughs> just don't like Elon Musk too much. But me saying that is gonna get me killed every time, um, because for some reason, and this has been like a headache for me for the longest time. People kind of think you can like this has anything to do with politics, which I don't think it does. 
like Elon Musk doesn't really, to me anyway. But is what it is. But yeah, I just looking at this chart, it's just breakdown, right? It's first yeah. breakdown in a long time. Um, you can start being bullish again when it reclaims. Um, but like you said, I don't really see the multiples. Like if you buy this thing, even if it does well enough, um, I think you're just kind of like it's already so, so, so big. And no one can even I, I don't think anyone can deny it, that it's a little bit on the overvalued side of things in comparison to a lot of other car companies. Um, so I, I don't know. It just seems kind of like to me, if you're buying this, you're hoping for it to just not move or just to go sideways at best. I, I don't really see the point. You're hoping it repeats this. Ledger's going for some crypto price action and correction that you know tesla well, is the new e 95 you know, down i don't think you can deny it. tesla changed the car market entirely like they forced yeah. everyone else to increase their electric car production lines and what whatnot now that goal has been accomplished like they're all producing electrics uh the market wants electrics and will tesla be able to capitalize on the part where they go from disruptive uh research driven car manufacturing and turn into um, <clears throat> one of the biggest producers on the market and still continue to innovate because if they become Ford, well, their multiple becomes, uh, you know, like a PE of five, right? Like they, they become a boring company, um, not a boring company like Elon's other company, but an actual boring company. Like they just become a car producer. Or will they keep innovating to justify these high valuations? But the fact that you're seeing others catch up to what they're doing, it leaves room to price the stock down, even though they accomplish the goal, if you will, of transforming the car market. Um, and yeah, I think 90%, 95% off the top. It's a huge difference. It's the difference between 20 and 40 in terms of a target. I don't think either is off the table. This might take over for me. My son just came down. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, you also have to consider, I think, broadly the broader market would have to look like. And this is a big part of the S and P as well, as far as, as far as I'm aware. Um, actually, that might be completely wrong. But in any case, what does what do broader sort of premium look like if Tesla basically plays out the Ledger legacy trade <laughs> and goes down like ninety four percent, or you know, gap fills all of this or whatever? I mean, that that's some sort of like apocalypse scenario. Uh, so, so that would be a bit dodgy. I mean, purely technically speaking, it's very hard to disagree, right? Because you had like a multi-month or like a year plus, you know, year and a half range from basically February to uh, the end of this year. Uh, that on, on sort of baby pips 101 terms, you had a big range uh, and that big range seems to be breaking. It's actually a bit like Bitcoin in that regard, right? Just on a much, much baby larger pips. time scale. <laughs> yeah, baby pips, right? Um, but you, had, you had a big consolidation. That big consolidation seems to be breaking out. Um, there might be some structure here because I don't know what you think of this, Don. This is sort of your your wheelhouse in terms of structure. There is a pre-breakout monthly consolidation, kind of the range that it was in uh, mid-2020 between sort of 130 mm -hmm. and 160. Uh, and that's at least some structure that's worth paying attention to. Like, especially if you can get like discounted entries towards, you know, the bottom a uh, quarter of that or whatever like closer to the bottom of the structure than the top uh, there could be there could be something there even if it is, even if it is for a short term trade you know kind of from support to resistance type of thing wouldn't be the worst mm -hmm. thing in the world so there is some structure here that i think unless i'm wrong is, is worth paying attention to it's also very visible on the weekly time frame actually where it was this entire range before the acceleration sort of picked up 
Uh, so there could be a short-term pump there, but yeah, bigger picture, a lot of these um, structures that we're seeing across the market, both in crypto and legacy, that they, they don't give a ton of room for comfort because you, you, you basically have long consolidations breaking down. Uh, and I hate those types of trades because generally speaking, if I, what I do best in those scenarios is if you have a big consolidation that breaks down, sort of large, large, large range and it breaks down, uh, the best trades for me at least are either on the reclaim of that structure, which has to happen either very soon or much later, or it's when the market actually reaches as a result of that breakdown, some much lower, higher time frame support, and then you trade that structure per se. Um, I I've lost a lot of money in the past, basically as soon as it breaks down, trying to do business like somewhere here. And by the time it actually gets to where I should be trading, uh, you know, I've already had a very rough time of it. So maybe that's my bias speaking. Uh, I've sort of applied a similar logic to BTC, right? Where you had a multi-month breakdown uh, and that's kind of unfolding now and, you know, historically, at least if I've done a ton of work here, at least on my swing strategy, it hasn't served me particularly well. Um, so that's at least my my perspective there. Also, before we jump off, I do want to talk about ETH. Uh, but if you have gentle comments first, uh, I'd love to hear them. Holy no, I agree. crap. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do like I do like that. Um, that support. If it wasn't Tesla, I'd be like, OK, this is nice. You have like a consolidation, you break it down um, and then you run into significant high time frame support where you can kind of squeeze out everyone that's trading trading the breakdown which is kind of cool um but it's tesla so i'm not going to <laughs> yeah. not going to give any bullish insight <laughs> i mean that's fair enough i understand that uh, ledger was that your reaction to the eth chart or something else it was actually the coin chart um oh yeah coin is <laughs> oh, oh yeah 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 i can i can throw that up real quick uh i just pulled it up but yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. That's big week. Fresh, fresh lows territory. I heard their bonds are trading at some incredible discount as well. It's like 15% yield or something. I don't know. It's maybe <laughs> yeah. even much, maybe even higher. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I understand it from a stru but, yeah. as a structural point of view, right? It's like if you think the, like if you just saw one of the biggest exchanges blow up, uh, that, that probably changes how you price um, the exchange business more broadly, at least in the short term. And when you're seeing the extent of the contagion, uh, you're going to want a bit more of a premium to, to like uh, be. I think Coinbase is like worlds apart as a publicly listed company and, you know, all that type of stuff. But I can definitely understand why these centralized counterparties, um, given the magnitude of the implosion, contagion, et cetera, are being repriced a little bit. Uh, trading the listing day of this was fun, though. That, that was really good. Yeah, so I wonder, I've got some fond memories of this thing. <laughs> I wonder at what point is there more upside in coin than there is in mm -hmm. like crypto, yeah, like I in know. Bitcoin or ETH. I think it's starting to get really interesting because the thing is like FTX blowing up is not necessarily like as long as nothing happens to Coinbase, right? That's a bullish thing for Coinbase because they're going to get more market share. Um, I, I think they're poised to absolutely dominate the US centralized market. Exactly. So you kind of have this thing where um, you could actually pick it up for cheap just because a competitor went down is hilarious. Um, but you obviously run the risk of it going going down as well. I I mean, I said I don't think FTX is going to go down and I was wrong. I'm going to say the same thing here. I'm going to say I don't think Coinbase is going to go down. hope I'm not jinxing it because that would be fucking Oh, bad. the Don curse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, usually I'm right on this stuff, right? But um, turns out on FTX, completely blindsided. Maybe I'll be blindsided on Coinbase too. In general, one tip for people, right? You don't want to have your money necessarily on an exchange. Um, you want to be trading on an exchange if you have to, but you want to be pulling the money off, obviously, um, once you've done your trades. Um, I 
think that's kind of just just makes sense if you've been in crypto for a while. But yeah, I don't think Coinbase is gonna go go um, go up in flames. So at some point, I do agree. Like Ledger, this is gonna be an interesting one, just based on the fact how hard it's dumping off of um, it basically gaining potential because FTX being out of the picture is a good thing for Coinbase. Brian Armstrong will be your counterparty if you buy now. I think he's been selling shares recently. Still? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, he sold like yeah. one million. But he's just to fund this life research stuff. But Yeah. Know, and then and it it's been planned, etc. It was a very small exactly. amount. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, small exactly. and it's been pre planned for quite a while. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting for sure. I mean, I'd rather, you know, if I'm going to. If I'm going to be doing crypto upside play legacy instruments, I think for me personally, and then look, the likelihood of this happening is really low because I'm like an idiot. But if I were to do it, it'd probably be via coin. And actually, this is like a seething hot take when it'd be via meta as well. Uh, if we're talking oh, about like multi-year mm -hmm. type of stuff, because, you know, the amount of resources that are being, re you know, if the metaverse is going to have a, is, if, if the metaverse thesis is going to play out over several years, I have much more faith in Zook pulling it off than all these NFT projects that like scammed millions and are saying, oh, we're going to build our own metaverse and we're going to do this. And we have this token, that token. I think if I, if, if I want to express a metaverse view, I'd rather do it through Mark than through um, whatever garbage coins we came up with at the Pico top of the cycle, basically. Uh, so, so there are, I think, some legacy plays uh, to express bullish crypto views. Maybe even some public miners after the, you know, after, I, I think there's still some washout likely on the mining side, uh, but there are a lot of public companies in that space. And if you see some survivors there amongst all the bodies, uh, you can start to build a pretty decent crypto facing legacy portfolio. And that certainly reduces a lot of your counterparty risk. Uh, so th there's interesting stuff there. Not micro strategy though, I'm not, uh, you know. You wouldn't do it in GBTC? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe if we get a bit more, I, I, honestly, I, I don't know. It's a trade, I'm similar to Don, I've been stalking that trade for a while, thinking, oh, this is like a good discount and whatever else, but it just, it just seems to be now. getting worse. Yeah, it's 45%. I mean, that that's getting pretty extreme, but I've, I've also held that view at like 35%, you know? Uh, yeah, so it, I've sort of held off on that, but no strong GBTC it's, views. It's ticking 25 cents either way here on my chart while I'm watching it. <laughs> the, the scary oh, yeah. thing, the, the scary thing with with GPTC, right, um, is that if they basically keep it around and farm you for fees, never redeem, right? So you're just kind of stuck in it. So, it, it, I mean, that's the that's the the risk that you that you kind of take. Um, and I thought that was going to be unlikely, um, but um, if this all goes wrong, basically, it seems like a pretty scary thing to face. Um, so I'm like, for me, basically the GPTC trade would be a long-term trade, right? Because you don't buy this thing and then just sell it in a week or two, because I mean, this is not how it works. And the good thing for me is, and the reason why I've been dodging the GPTC trade is basically because I can buy Bitcoin, hold it for a year and then don't pay taxes, which makes me have like a bigger discount than the GPTC discount. It's like pretty much equal right now um, without the risk of it just never um, going back to parity. Um, so I'm kind of glad I don't have to take that trade. It's an interesting one though, because like you guys said, the discount is so big. It's just, it's a implied, little bit scary. Implied price is $8,800. Yeah. It starts so, getting interesting, right? But it's like, <laughs> but, but it's, are you going to be stuck in this thing forever and just bleed out the, the, the management fees every year is the question. And that kind of scares me. And I think that's what's been driving this price down, down and down and down. 
I think Nadja, this is... what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where I just take the risk personally. I think just buy it and YOLO. Yeah, I could see that. If the discount gets so big, they just like okay, fuck it. I'm gonna throw some money in. If it goes, it goes, and if it doesn't, well, I'm gonna make a shitload. I think those are kind of levels where that happens. So <laughs> you treat well. GBTC like some shit coin on trade ogre like ah, i'll pun if it plays out great if not whatever <laughs> i guess i don't know it's yeah. just it seems like this is because the liquidity profile is terrible right um so it could get you know people if if people get dragged out it could get that bad um mm -hmm. there, there's not a lot of liquidity on the on the token there's a lot of people that hold it there's a lot of people in dire straits that hold it because this has been part of the lack of liquidity that people have had that's caused them to go bankrupt. So, <laughs> yes. But it was also the source of the yield in the bull market for a lot of these protocols yeah. doing like the DARBs, you know, on GBTC. So it's kind of, we have like a small collection of entities and instruments which were very important in kind of boosting the bull market and then also in creating the bear market. You know, it's like time is a flat circle uh, in, in that case. It's very. And, it's, and this is a artistic. trust. The trustees are the only ones that can change the rules. So one of the big interesting questions is can the if the trustees change hand like if become a new if there become new trustees, if there's an acquisition of DCG, or like what what scenarios make it to where something new can happen with this product that that becomes more interesting? Like what if BlackRock ends up the issuer of GBTC and they are motivated to figure out what digital currency group can't in terms of like how to turn this thing into um, a better product um, or what if it becomes like a Vanguard product, you know, these are the types of outs that might exist for, for Barry right now in terms of how to survive without bankruptcy. Um, assuming this billion dollar hole is the real deal. Yeah. I have no idea. I'm just saying like what, what range of outcomes might exist and how, could those look good for GBTC in the future? Um, I but do know. But plugging the hole, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> right. Can we get this one billion clouded, and then we can have a constructive conversation to start to avoid this? But it's it's definitely something I want some clarity on this week. I do feel um, it's like every potential retail avenue has gotten people absolutely wrecked. Like Gary Gensler really has not done a good job. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of this this discount is is hurting retail as much as it's hurting those institutions you know um but this this kills retail because this is so many people's access to crypto from retirement accounts that are supposed to be safer and it, it's trading 50 percent off on, on an asset class that's also down horrendously all in the name of protecting people and it's charging two percent per year for the privilege of it it's disgusting yeah, it's horrendous like that's just absolutely insane two percent and then they don't do anything right it's not like they're they're, they're doing anything they custody Bitcoin, no they're suing supposedly. them don they're suing them <laughs> supposedly, supposedly they are custodying bitcoin even though they're, i can do they're, i can do your custody for two percent too <laughs> they were they were tweeting how they're not willing to do proof of reserves y'all saw that right yeah, yeah, yeah that was. For, I didn't for the love sake that. Of I mean, I, yeah, for the sake of security, a lot of the smart on-chain kind of people said that that 
expl explanation doesn't really hold up to scrutiny. And in my estimation, like when you have such a confidence crisis in the market, you better have like, a damn good reason not to show proof of reserves for a product like this. Uh, because, you know, the, the sort of risk calculation there is, and, and, you know, perceived confidence, uh, like unless you really have a good reason not to, you really should. And they didn't. And so you're building this picture now where, you know, there's a 1 billion hole, there aren't a lot of, there isn't a lot of speculation that someone's biting on it. And now when it comes to the actual proof of reserves on the GBTC, uh, you know, we don't have clear evidence of that, even though I, I like almost like in a Don-esque way, like I'm, I'm scared of being wrong on this, but Coinbase seemed to have confirmed that, you know, that they're executing the custody. And I think it's likely that they're way too responsible to like degenerate out, so to speak. But again, the opaqueness of these large uh, entities is, is definitely cost us a lot. And, and so it doesn't make me all too comfortable that um, they weren't willing to provide it. Uh, for, for me, that's really, you know, the weekly focus or something I, ideally early in the week for, for this kind of stuff to get resolved. It's just this whole GBTC, uh, are they going to liquidate the trust and Genesis, this whole, whole situation, uh, I, you know, some clarity I'd be extremely grateful for. In the absence of that, I'm a bit like, ugh, you know, still like contagion brain, basically. Cred, I'm sorry I distracted you off of your ETH talk um earlier oh no i just wanted to get your thoughts because for me like if i pull up this chart like th there's significant sexual divergence between like btc and eth because bitcoin broke down i mean first of all bitcoin didn't participate in this uh counter trend rally right it kind of got stuck at 25k and didn't really move off those all that much while eth went from like 800 to 2000 so while equities were ripping on this leg um eth was as well because of the merge whereas bitcoin wasn't so that was significant structural divergence, number one. Uh, and the st structural divergence, number two, is taking place right now, where Bitcoin decisively broke through its kind of potential higher-low structure, its range low, its support, whereas ETH is currently holding some version of it, or at least trying to carve out a higher-low. Uh, so two quite different markets to be looking at. And you know, whenever you, you get this type of relationship, my brain immediately starts thinking, is this like relative strength, or is it just lag? And if it's lag, the price you pay for that lag is much higher because we know that ETH, cyclically speaking, will like overcorrect relative to BTC. And then you sort of, you know, and then usually outperforms as well. Uh, so that, that's definitely got me thinking. I mean, purely from a trading point of view, if you're going to play the catch up breakdown short, you know, sub 1.1K, whatever technical entry trigger type of stuff um, is probably available, but it's not available at the moment. And that, that sort of got me thinking. And, you know, the high time frame charts are honestly quite scary. Like Bitcoin has very clear structure that isn't terribly far away, as Don said, sort of, you know, 12, 14K, all that type of pre-bull market shelf is fairly self-evident now that the range low is broken down. If ETH follows path in the same way and the range low actually breaks down, it's less clear to me where that might take place. I mean, a basic eye test says maybe around seven to 800 is your first structure, but that's going back a fair bit. And you can see that it didn't really do much uh, as the market was rallying. And then if you want to consider like the equivalent of a 10K structure uh, for ETH, you actually end up at some pretty scary prices sort of in the 400s, I think, and this uh, volume cluster or cluster of price action uh, here. And, and that's, you know, a far scarier type of market and God knows what everything else looks like at this point. So I really want to see if the market is actually capable of carving out this higher low here. Um, maybe it just does nothing and then Bitcoin hits support and ends up bouncing or something like that. But in my mind, the base case for corrections has been, you know, Bitcoin craps uh, and ETH just kind of, outperforms to the downside and then later to the upside and the structure at the moment both in terms of how it rallied in terms of how it's performing on the dump uh, it's not sort of behaving in line with those expectations so i think some some thinking observation to be done there at the very least and to know what you guys think about this 
Yeah, I for me, uh, um, for me, it's kind of like Eve's, Eve's kind of like the narrative is there, right? The deflationary narrative, whatever, but it's just been weak. Um, it's not been like in general, it's not been as weak as Bitcoin has, but I think that's mostly because it just started from a higher point. Like the rally was better because of the merge, basically. Um, I still think, like you said, this is significant. It's a it's a higher low. Um, I have it like marked out out as such. But uh, I think there's much more interesting coins to be traded. Honestly, like I agree, if this breaks down, you can short it. Whatever. I don't think. I think this is probably gonna just go sideways. Like between one point, like one k to like one point eight or whatever. I could just see it go sideways. It's my gut feeling anyway. Um, if it does not, like you said, I think I do kind of agree. Like the supports are much, much lower, like below 700 and then 400. And you don't want to have either of those. So for me, it would just kind of make sense to go sideways. But I, I really want to talk about Litecoin instead because that's much cooler. <laughs> go on. Um, so Litecoin, right? Uh, <laughs> the weirdest fucking chart planet. Uh, everything's in a bear market. Litecoin is not anymore. Um, it's just been like whenever everything's been collapsing, Litecoin just goes up against Bitcoin anyway. Uh, other coins go down when Bitcoin, like against Bitcoin, when Bitcoin goes down, Litecoin just goes up. And it's been like this for a while oh, so since happy. exactly the bottom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like this stuff. Um, this is this is 2017 return, right? I mean, back then, Litecoin started off rallying um, and then everything went to the moon. Uh, let's hope this is the same. Because if it's not 2017, but it's 2018, 19, 20, 21, or 22, it's whenever Litecoin pumps, everything goes to shit, which has been like basically all of the time. Um, but if it's anything similar to 2017, we're in for a good time. I'm not entirely sure what it's going to be, but I'm just seeing a lot of relative strength, right? And this is, Eve's been showing relative strength against Bitcoin because it's not made a, a new law. Uh, this is something completely else where you've just been like just going along, right? You see this, uh, Bitcoin's just been dumping Litecoin against USD. It's just been in a range, um, which is really interesting to me. Uh, seems like there's interest there. That's why I've been trading it. Um, not entirely sure if this, this is going to, like if Bitcoin breaks down, Litecoin is going to go down as well. Um, but if the off chance that Bitcoin doesn't, I think Litecoin is probably going to outperform. And I think it's probably going to be one of the few coins that does uh, if Bitcoin goes up. So I'm kind of like, I like this. Um, just you just look at the low time frame. It's the oddest price action ever. Um, and this is basically whenever Bitcoin wants to go down, uh, Litecoin BTC just goes up to negate the impact, <laughs> uh, which... Seems like someone gobbling it up. Um, not entirely sure. It's you. We'll <laughs> Parts of it, but not all of it, no. Um, but I'll go we'll Litecoin see. piping has been a good signal, right, Don? Like it's been a really bullish precursor for the oh, historically. Stop but... it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I honestly, I don't want to shill it too much. I don't want to shill anything at this point uh, in the market because, I mean, any bad news and everything just giga nukes. Um, but uh, this is one of the coins to watch the moment you find the bottom at least like if you don't want to pull, pull the trigger understandably early uh, you want to be looking at this whenever you think the bottom's in i think um 
So yeah, that's the kind of that's the that's the kind of price action I want to be seeing while everything looks like shit because you know that once the market turns around, uh, this is gonna have legs to the upside. Uh, it's just a question of when does the market actually turn around. I think one of the really hard things to recognize now because everything's been in lockstep to the downside is that once we bottom and get to the boring part, there's going to be rotations and those rotations can include multiples. It doesn't have to include just be like 20% type moves. It could be two, three, four X type moves amongst these ridiculous narratives for a trader to be able to take advantage of. So the old coins narrative, the proof of work narrative, the, you know, Sam coins that didn't die, make a bounce type of narrative. Like, you know, you know, there's all kinds of things that uh, can happen even while in the grand scheme of things, nothing's happening. But the trader, the person that's uh, still participating and paying attention can try to take advantage of and to seek upside. And I think this is just an example of where that, that might be already beginning a bit. Um, there were tons of rotations. A lot of people made a lot of Bitcoin in late 2013 and 2014 in a so-called like altcoin season that was only on a relative basis because people couldn't look at the dollar value. And so now like if you're just too down to care or to consider the dollar value, but if you're trying to stack Bitcoin or stack ETH or whatever you're denominating in, there might still be trade opportunities out there as these things in a lower liquidity environment do crazy stuff. And, you know, the, the disciplined, trader who doesn't like put their hat on a peg and call it a day might have some opportunities. We've been talking a really long time. Good point. Um, I was just looking at Solana. Did y'all know it's $12? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Yeah. But then again, I mean, FTX went down. So <laughs> the, the $3, I, I just, I have a really hard time. I'm feeling like it doesn't get into the threes because of the Sam tweet. Just narrative alone. I feel like it might last two seconds there, but um, I feel like it really want, it's really going to want to do that kind of like boing off of dollars because, you know, crypto Twitter and their ultimate um, crowd mentality is going to want to play that. Oh, yeah. I would definitely buy $3. Yeah, that's a good thesis. It's, yeah. It's funny. I like it. Uh, all right. Well, cool. You guys want to leave us with anything? I think we're good. We talked for a long, long time. Yeah. yeah my kids are really all alone. Isn't giving like that my, much. Yeah. My kids are alone upstairs doing God knows what. One of them came down here during the show. Um, so I'm going to go check on them. Um, I hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving if you're in the U.S. and celebrating uh, this glorious fake holiday. It's a wonderful one. Um, we'll see you next week on Weekly Open, I think. Uh, check us out. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. We appreciate you being here. Don and Credit, appreciate you both. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.